0: Hey everyone, before we begin, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, The Berman Hour Podcast. It's so incredibly helpful. Give us a nice five-star rating, write us a nice review, and hit that subscribe button. Wherever you are listening, the platform does not matter. What does matter is that you hit that subscribe button. It helps us out tremendously. All right, let's get started. The Berman Hour Podcast. Let's get it. Yeesh. Welcome to the Berman Hour podcast. I am your host, Jeff Berman. Thanks so much for tuning in. My guest this week is Scotty Sandwich. Truth be told, I don't know his real last name. I don't know anybody that does. Anybody out there in podcast land that knows Scotty's real last name, please let me know. Hit me up at the Berman Hour on Instagram. But, Scotty is a familiar face to myself and to many. He plays in a number of bands. He also just joined Wolves and Wolves and Wolves and Wolves, which is awesome. It's a coup for them to have him in their band, and that's great. But Scotty is someone, you know, when you tour a lot and you get used to seeing these characters around the country once or twice a year or maybe once every two years, and Scotty was definitely a anchor for me in the Durham Research Triangle area of North Carolina. And now that I'm not touring, I miss these folks. So it was good to catch up with Scotty. And I hope that you all enjoy this interview. More of a conversation, I guess, than an interview. But nonetheless, I hope that you enjoy it. Other things I need to tell you about I have a new podcast called All the Heels Podcast that I do with my friend Bradley Palermo, where we talk about professional wrestling and we talk about the new professional wrestling themed television drama on stars called heels the podcast is picking up steam it's doing great if you're so inclined please check us out even if you're not a wrestling fan we've heard from a lot of people who say i don't really give a shit about pro wrestling but i like this show on stars called heels it's you know a drama so give it a chance we kind of do these episodic breakdowns we talk a little bit about the current product in aew and wwe and beyond so check us out at all the heels pod on twitter Instagram, all that other stuff. Or just find us at All The Heels. Type that in, All The Heels, to wherever you're looking for podcasts and you will find us. Now, what's most important is that I bring you great conversations here on the Berman Hour podcast, the OG podcast. So why don't we get to it? Enjoy my conversation with my old friend Scotty Sandwich. Well, how
1: the fuck are you, man? Good. How have you been the last year and a half? I um, doing. Good, I guess. Uh, uh, you, me and Heather moved up to um, Oxford, which is like 20 minutes north of Durham. Um, we got okay. like house that's kind of like in the like a like a wooded area, nice like acre and a half plot of land that like backs up to a
0: creek. But you've been there for a few years, right? We moved in. We moved in
1: after Christmas in 2019, so by, uh, almost oh, three okay. years of the summer. But but then you know, last year happened. So
0: right, right, but. What brought you to North Carolina? Well, you're cause you're a Chicago guy. Like you're always wearing cub shit. You have a Chicago flag tattoo on your arm. Uh, yeah. One of the first things I picked up about you, like what's your, what's your Chicago connection? For well, me? I grew up there.
1: Yeah. Like I, I was born and raised in the suburbs and then kind of lived all over town. Um, um, until about 23, 24, then just got into doing like live sound and audio and just kind of get trying to get gigs anywhere I could doing live sound. And then, uh, Got tired of that and ended up in North Carolina and then met my wife.
0: Yeah, but how did you end up in Durham?
1: Uh, so originally I was in, um, I was staying with my friend in a suburb outside of Raleigh. And then I met my wife in Raleigh and then she uh, works at Duke or had worked at Duke. And so uh-huh. she wanted to move closer to Duke. So we moved to Durham.
0: Yeah, that's a nice little corner of the world. Yeah, it's actually. it's
1: so different, you know, like. Durham's fun because it's like, as well, Durham. You know, the whole triangle is fun because it's like a city, but small enough where it's like there's enough to do, but like not enough where you can get yourself in too much trouble. You know, like everyone yeah. knows each other, so if you fuck up, like everyone knows real fast.
0: If you had to describe Chapel Hill versus Raleigh versus Durham to an outsider, and and not, I don't mean like a college kid, like yeah. don't I don't want that approach, but like just as a dude who's you know in, into going out and likes rock and roll yeah like, like, how would you break down each city i'm curious so
1: like raleigh is basically like the city where like if you grew up in the country that's like the big city so you get a lot of these like um different minded um but well not different different minded to us um yeah. kind of um con, you know uh conservative cr- christians who've never really like experienced life in a city so they don't really know how to act um yeah. so you see a lot of uh tomfoolery and a lot of, um, bigotry, um, from those type of people who just don't understand that, like, you know, outside of, you know, like, you know, Durham is awesome because no one is actually from Durham, you know, because of all the, um, like medical and schooling and all that stuff and all the technology stuff that's going on here, like everyone's from different places in the world. So you have like this melting pot and, you know, luckily it's very, um, progressive and very left-leaning so it's you know much more our um i guess our yeah, style sure. it's like kind of what we can get away with doing like death of all Hope fest and you know stuff like that there um, yeah yeah and channel is cool um i don't spend i think out of the three i spent the less the least amount of time there um but like it's just a cool old rock and roll town you know like frank's been running the cat's cradle for 50 years now um, which alone yeah. is insane you know like you know merge records has been there for 30 you know
0: yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. it's such a jewel, man. I, I I, think I always liked Chapel Hill the best because it felt like the most. Well, it felt like if it's it safe to say it's the smallest of the. Oh, thing? yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: OK, yeah, I, I think I don't know. it just it had a an intangible vibe to it. Like yeah. even when I was just kind of visiting friends there before I was touring, like I just I was really enjoyed it. And I grew to really like Durham, but I have to say, like, you're my my conduit to yeah. that because of the the motorco and just you know hanging out at your house and yeah. and just being around there but I, I haven't spent much time in raleigh i know i've played raleigh but yeah somebody, raleigh I mean, has like kind of a, Rep- a republican yeah like and
1: plant. say like I, even outside of their school colors that's definitely a, like much more right you know like they have a huge um um i think i i, I could be wrong i mean i think they have one of the like the, the world's biggest like art art. Uh, um, what's it called? The, um, the farming school. Um uh, yeah, Agricultural schools. Um, from yeah. you know, like um, so, you you, so you get a lot of that type of um, yeah learning environment there. You know, and like they have the football program, or like Duke and UNC are the the basketball programs and stuff like that, which is also a huge difference in culture, I think.
0: For sure. So when you started kind of trying to find your footing as a, a live sound engineer. <laughs> did you work in a number of different cities before you kind of ended up in that area? Yeah, or was um, it I, a direct mean, I was,
1: I was like in, I was in Phoenix for a while. I was in, uh, Jacksonville, Florida for, for a while. Um, New Hampshire, um, just kind of all over the place. Just basically like anywhere I could find work. Um, you know, it was like, it was that early twenties, like I don't want to say vagabond lifestyle, but you know, I definitely wasn't treating myself the best and, uh, wasn't good for, you know, obviously mental health or anything, but, uh, I didn't really know my direction of life and what I wanted to do yet at that point. I knew I wanted to do something with music, and it just seemed like sound was a really good way to uh, combine my love of music and my you know, the, the engineering side of audio and like how records are made and like I'll watch every documentary, I'll read every biography, you know. Like me and uh like me and Mikey uh, uh, erg always joke about having like a punk rock book club because we like oh just you, you read this book you'd we, like we'll trade like PDFs and stuff like
0: what was your introduction to this the punk rock subculture and punk rock music? Uh so
1: when I was growing up, um it would have been I think it was ninety five Whatever year uh, Mel and Colin, the Infinite Sadness came out, uh, my mom's secretary at the time, her son was a um, tour manager for Smashing Pumpkins at the time. Oh, cool! And so she got us backstage passes to go see them up at the um, at the Eagles Nest in um, Milwaukee, which is, they say the rave the raves downstairs and the Eagles Nest is the big room at the top. Um, yeah. And so like we go and we're like hanging out, um, and like the, the, the tour manager showed me the bus and like. He introduced me to james eon like they, i got the sound check with his like les paul and stuff I'm like this is the greatest day ever you know oh and then cool, dude. he got us he, like he came and grabbed his first so we had to get back to chicago and so he grabbed his first to do like the meet and greet and and like he opens the door and uh billy and the uh jimmy Chamberlain were like doing coke or something he's like get that fucking kid out of here i was like well, what the fuck this is like i was like just crushed <laughs> everything and the next day um um, I went to a a a nuts Columbus show in uh, in Arlington Heights and uh, fucking Slapstick was playing. It was the first time I saw Slapstick. Um, like one of my skateboarders was like, "Oh, let's go to this punk rock show." I was like, "Okay." Like you know, was like at that point, I already like Green Day and you know, like the you know, punk had already broken. So I knew that from radio. But like for our subs, you know, like our little more underground, like what like what what just changed it for good was like after Slapstick played, Brendan was selling. You know, he was at the merch sale or something. like, wait, you sell your own merch? He's like, I'm like, don't you have people that do that? And he's like, no, this is what we fucking do. It's like, oh, this makes so much more sense than hiring a bunch of people.
0: That's quite a very quick dynamic between, you know, uh, blowing lines, backstage smashing pumpkins, rock star bullshit. And then, you know, sweaty Brendan Kelly at his own merch table. (laughs) You know, probably selling like the shittiest printed t shirts ever at that point in 1995. Well, I think
1: it's before, I I think it's before Look It even came out. I think it's when they still had like the guy smiley Summage or something, you know, like it was really early. Like,
0: yeah. When did you start playing music yourself and kind of doing the band route? My first band would have been
1: 94, 95. Uh, My first band was called Mind Cancer and I played it. (laughs) Um, and it was just like all cover, like, you know, cover songs and shit. And we played, we only played one show. We played at, um, um a Jewish community center in Buffalo Grove. Me and the drummer switched. I think it was a silver tear song. We switched and I played drums on that. And I played drums on um named by Goo Goo Dolls. And then uh nice. Um but it was funny because like I'm not a singer, by singing and play guitar in that band. Like we'll be like we were playing like fucking cranberries, which is like the last song in the world I should ever sing is
0: a cranberry song. <laughs> um, What's, was it zombie? Yeah, oh, it's definitely zombie. zombie, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it was definitely zombie. At well, like Scotty sandwich doing linger. I don't know if that works. Yeah. I,
1: I did get my first hand job to linger at the Cranberry Show in Chicago. Though, so I, it, it used to be the it used to be the World Music Center, and then it's the Tweeter Center. It's like whatever the the Park, you know, it's the big outdoor amphitheater
0: place. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's awesome. So, all right, so you make it to Durham. Yep. Do you land at the Motorco? immediately no, or are they, there other spots in town they didn't have
1: they hadn't opened yet so at the time um at the time i just started Death All soap records um and then i think at that point at that point we already had you know the, the first handful of bands you know uh, it's like Arless, um 10 for mixtapes and i think direct Hit were like the first handful um so i started yeah. doing that and then me and a bunch of uh friends from dc and uh vermont started loose charm which is was our like a vinyl collective that we all threw money in and put out bands that we, well, records we wanted to see on vinyl. And the first one we did was Red Collar's Pilgrim and they live in Durham. So, um, I kind of just got, you know, like when I moved to Durham, we became friends and then I started hanging out with them a bunch and they kind of introduced me to the scene. And then I met a bunch of people, um, who were part of the Raleigh scene, who were the original, one of the original owners of Motorco. And so okay. then they got me involved, like me, um, the first day um, that they opened, like they were short saps. So I like, I worked door the first day and then I kind of like, didn't really do much. I was, I was just there every day hanging out. It was right down the street from my old apartment. It was, it wasn't even a year. I think it was before the first set of all Fest it was when I took over as production manager, but I was, I was sitting in a motley crew, uh, like a crew fest show. And, and like the owner, one of the owners called me like, Hey, uh, our production manager is quit. You want to start tomorrow? I was like, okay, <laughs> like might as well. And then I was there up until I think, uh, may of uh, 2019
0: this episode of the Berman hour podcast is sponsored by new wave flow state coffee coffee for creativity new wave have created the best new coffee on the marketplace because it's coffee that's blended with raw cacao and l-theanine l-theanine is an amino acid that naturally reduces stress and anxiety think about having coffee and not having the shakes not having the jitters, not having the increased heart rate, not having the negative attributes that come with too much caffeine. That is the point of New Wave's Flow State Coffee. It keeps you focused. It helps you stay creative without any of the negative side effects of caffeine. I drink this every day, and I love this coffee. It's delicious, and it gives me the nicest caffeine buzz that I could ask for. Not too intense, not too weak. Hits me just right. Let me help you save 10% on your order of New Wave's Flow State Coffee. Go to newwave.co slash Berman. Order away. You're going to save 10%. They're going to kick back some of that money here to the Berman Hour podcast, which helps me with some production costs. N-O-O-W-A-V-E dot C-O slash Berman. Again, N-O-O-W-A-V-E dot C-O slash B-E-R-M-A-N. All right, let's get back to the pod. Let's talk a little bit about Death to False Hope Records because my introduction to that label was – there was a point in time about eight years ago, seven, eight years ago, where labels started to release music in very, very unconventional ways. And so I want to say that my introduction to Death to False Hope Records was – a compilation that you did that had a hundred bands on it oh, or yeah, something. I it. And I, I think you were kind enough to have a divided Evans song, which I appreciate. Was your idea to always kind of do things in an unconventional I mean, manner? Or was it like, cause even Durham, like you were synonymous with building something up in a part of the country where there wasn't really a whole lot. Yes and no. Like I, originally I started, I started also before I moved to Durham proper and I was still
1: in the suburb of Raleigh, which was about, um, it was about twenty five minutes south. Uh, it, it's basically halfway between Raleigh and Fayetteville, and it fucking sucked. It was just middle of nowhere at the time, um, and so it was like for me, it was just something to do that's to stay connected. And, you know, it was back in like the, you know, MySpace days. So I was like, you know, at that point, I got into like band music history, and I saw what Jeff was doing, quote unquote. So I was like, oh, like, hey man, like I'm, gonna, I, I think I'm more to mess with, Like I'm going to steal your idea. Like not that I want to steal your idea, but it's a great idea. I want to showcase different bands or you know, like you know, for all yeah. you know, he was more on the more indie punk type stuff or, you know, I'm more into like Pat Records and Appetite stuff. So that's what I grew up with. So I've tried to get, you know, more of that style of bands. And of course, you know, then, you know, we've, you know, over time, it's like you know, Arl Stancy, like Americana and then singer-songwriter stuff. And it's like, what happened was the first, and, and then it blew up and then the first Seth of All Soap Fest was kind of started with jokes. We, we, we were so busy with stuff that we like, didn't, we didn't pay attention, but we like totally forgot, like missed our first anniversary as a label. So like, oh, it'd be funny if we do like a second anniversary party, like, and that was the first one that had like, like less than Jake and off their heads. And it was like, it's like 54 bands the first year and it was over three stages, yeah which obviously we toned down after that first year, we just just the two stages and kind of kept it at like 30 bands to make it more manageable.
0: Is that something that you are going to do again in the future? I try to be
1: very hands on with any, anything I put my name on. So like, and it, it, it ended up getting like very, um, you know, stressful at, at, at points where I'm just like, man, like, fuck, I can to do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do that. Um, and now, especially with the studio being like so busy with that, it kind of takes away. But it'd be, I'd do it if I'd do it if our old stance got back together. So throw that one out there to the
0: world. So. All right. Well, that's happening in in uh, well. Yeah, you know. I've heard I've heard I've heard some things, and I've heard about like a new member. So yeah, like we'll talk we'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> off the record. <laughs> we'll talk about that off the record. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, Corey, just blew up your shit. Um, where are you what are you doing now? You're working in a recording studio. Uh, I built a recording studio in my new house. Oh
1: great! Um, that's
0: awesome,
1: and that's pretty much all I've done for for work-wise for the past like since December 2019.
0: Um, I want to say that I remember you telling me that you were doing songwriting or, or kind of like a tidbit songwriting for. Oh yeah, it,
1: I, I did. I did. I, I did for uh, Nikki Six's radio show for. Um, yeah, yeah. That ended, radio show ended in a couple years ago, but yeah, I, I did it from 2009 through 2000. And, eighteen I think is when the show
0: started. Well what were you doing specifically for like
1: it? just the, like the like the generic fucking guitarist in the background when he does his ad breaks.
0: You ever get to meet Nikki Six?
1: Yeah, um, when we did um when he did the 6am tour in um twenty sixteen I went on the road with them for eight weeks and um I guess the iHeart media producers don't like being on the road so they um the VP of um uh programming uh, hit me up. That's a whole different story um with that but uh she like she emailed me and she's like hey um, Hypothetically, would you like to go on tour with Nicky and just like set up like you know like a radio like recording studio for him like three days a week while he's on the road? I was like, okay, and he's like hilarious all it was it was like a microphone and into a mixer and then one out went to an iPad that transmitted to the radio station, and then the other one was like a, like a Zoom handheld recorder.
0: That's really funny. Yeah, it's like he's yeah. it
1: the biggest like media mogul conglomerate in the world, and they hand me a fucking and it was a Mackie. It was a, like, a two channel Mackie board a fucking handheld zoom recorder that costs $200 and yeah. then i like, and then, and I use my own iPad. So they had like, they had like an iPad recorder thing, but I'd use my own iPad for it. That's basic shit, man. Yeah. Like, but I mean, Fuck. 2k a week and all expenses and they fucking going fucking private jets and tour buses. Like, I'm not going to say no.
0: Yeah. Was he a cool dude? I mean, Motley Crue is my favorite band and I've yeah. never Actually, I was, like, met them. I was really scared. So
1: like when I first got, I, I talked to my wife, I was like, okay, so I'm definitely going to get kicked off the tour or quit within the first weeks. I know it's going to be like dumb rock star bullshit. And, um, I didn't even meet him till the third day on tour. The first few days were, um, like radio festivals down in Florida. The third day of tour, we were in, um, Nashville at the Cannery Ballroom and, uh, he brought everyone in inside to do like a, like, oh, this is our first club show. And, you know, like, that's, that, I think that place is still like 2,500 capacity. He's like, so we're starting over. So all his crews, like, left over from Molly. So, like, so, hey, like, you know, it's going to be starting over. Like, um, but if anyone gives any shit to, like, local hands, local crew, get, you talk to any shit about the venue, you're, you're automatically kicked off this tour. I was like, okay, I like this guy, right? You know, like. I was like, also nice. like, fuck! He's starting over, selling out a fucking twenty five hundred room like months in advance, like,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but he's really cool. Like I said, I had to sit in a room with him three days a week for fucking three hours where I recorded his show. And uh, he, his only weird quirk with that is that he want he needed Starbucks. He needed a Starbucks non fat iced latte. No, yeah, no, not nice, but a non fat latte um, with skim milk, and it had to be one hundred and thirty five degrees. Okay. And, like, so me and, the, and me and the production manager have been trying, like, to this day, we still, like, joke about, like, how, like, how, like, how like, no one's ever measured the temperature of the coffee. And so we have this theory that he just goes to the Starbucks by his house every day, and one day they're just, like, okay, oh, hey, he comes in between these times every day, so we'll just have it ready to go for him. And so, and he probably just, like, took it and sit that day. He's, like, oh, man, this is, like, a perfect temperature. When then they probably, like, just gave him some bullshit. Like, oh, yeah, it's, like, 135. Like, it's, yeah. like, well, we just do this for you type shit, you know?
0: That's so cool. I forgot that you did that, man. Yeah, that's that's so fucking awesome dude that's yeah so he cool. was
1: super sweet like um i do have a, a whole b-roll of this like ridiculous shit he, shit he said that it didn't go on the radio so when uh, uh when he finally dies for the third time i'm gonna like do like a negative land thing where like i'm just gonna put like a drum beat behind it and i have to have like do 45 minutes of the dumb shit like he said he was i said he was surprisingly nice super sweet like no like no weird shit like for you know for the talking parts and yeah. so um you know but one of the parts was like the co-host talking about like Oh, you know, like Force Awakens came out on DVD this week and blah, blah, blah. It's like, Oh, I've never seen a Star Wars. And then, and then, and like that like, Oh, like, how oh, have you not seen, have you not seen Force Awakens? Like, you know, he's like, no, I've never seen any Star Wars. And she's like, how have you never seen the, like Star Wars? And, she, and he's like, well, you know, in the eighties, I was having threesomes and doing blow on all the time. <laughs> in the background, you hear be like, wait, what about the nineties? And then you just hear him like, fuck you, Scotty. <laughs>
0: that's a great story man that's fucking awesome well i think that's a good segue i wanted to kind of talk about the fact that you and the dude that's in the background making all the fucking noise you guys both know everybody you i'm not making any
1: noise motherfucker
0: <laughs> oh no you're just ruining the whole goddamn interview my goodness cracking beers hi good to see you we have i had that haircut last year and now it's now it's long but i, I, I think you it looks my, good i remember
1: on. you because you have this haircut.
0: Yes. <laughs> Well no, this is this is good because I feel like the last time we saw each other was, was probably at Fest.
1: No, uh, it was definitely Fest.
0: Yeah. And we were probably commiserating about something. I feel like every time we sat down. Oh, I remember what we we're, we're, were commiserating about. Yeah, I'm
1: not sure we're supposed to talk about it in the air. Probably not. <laughs> it involved record labels and such. it involved like pieces of um, circular. Music devices and you like and, you, and people needing and them, and, to... you, and you needing them, but you not being able to get them from this oh, right company or something. I, I, I don't remember specifically. Yeah, for
0: the sake of any semblance of a career that I still have, I think we should probably not talk about that. Yeah, no, uh, no,
1: I agree in a I mean, public like, form. You're supposed to say off the record, That I learned that from Dave. You say off the record, you have to say off the record. Well, no, you, no, what you have to do is you have to go off the record and then like do a
0: I'm not blowing smoke. You guys know everybody, both through Death to False Hope, but through Almost People and plus all the work that you've been doing at shows for, God, the better part of 20 years at this point. Is that is that something that you're kind of aware of? You know, like I can I can pinpoint, do you know Barry Cohen?
1: Uh, Barry Cohen? I don't know uh, them in person, but I know of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, so... Barry was really the first champion of Divided. I feel like this is the third fucking podcast episode where I've talked about Barry and putting Barry up, but Barry's great. And Barry was the first champion of what I was doing in the kind of New York City bubble, you know, and it was before I had any business doing anything in Gainesville or, or touring or doing anything. But I kind of feel the same way about you in Durham, where it was like, you know, even if a couple of years passed, like, I know that I could always get at least a straight answer or a lead out of you and, and vice versa. And so when our, our paths would cross, but I feel like you were like that for everybody, even though it always made me feel special and I greatly appreciate it.
1: You know, And it's fun to see people. And it's, it's fun to like, you know, and you know, I said like, like even just making friends with the protagonists, you know, like I text Brian every couple of days for telling him how jealous I am that he gets to watch guns and roses every night. If he wants to like, you know, like it's yeah. insane to me. Um, but yeah, like, it's not something that I ever, like, consciously, like, went for. Like, oh, my God, I want to do this. I want to, like, meet all these people and, like, be the fucking person. I just, like, I think because of the way tour routing works, there was, uh, I think there was, like you're saying, I think there was kind of a void for bands under, like, a certain um, uh, draw in the in the area. Um, you know, I know, yeah. like, I remember when I first got here, there some something, you know, like, like the first time that I saw um, Off of Their Heads, um, they had, they'd they come through and they played like a little bike shop, you know? And that's because um, I, I think Ryan or Jesse, I think Jesse Thorson had come through a few times. And then Jesse and the shop owner of the record shop became friends and then they got Ryan involved. So he's like, oh, yeah, like. Um, and so at, at the time, it was like the only person bringing in like any smaller type stuff. Uh, Um, yeah um otherwise like you know it's like you know like at the time uh, this would be i think it was oh it was post new wave against me but even when against me would play in town they play at a 300 capacity room um which is you know for them at that time you know post new wave is insane you know like
0: yeah yeah that's a little bit crazy to think about um it's
1: always like the hardest thing when bands want to come through which i think was why i tried to if i if it was a show that i booked i always try to extend the hospitality like yo like show's gonna suck you know it'll probably be 20 people but the people are gonna be there we'll fucking love it and then you know afterwards like we can go out get you we'll get you some fucking awesome burritos or something to be a place to say you know anyone who needs you know laundry shit. like it's like it was very important to me to like number one always be upfront. like i don't know what the show's gonna do but it's not like, don't if it's it's not gonna be over 30 like i was all you know it's just yeah. at the time that wasn't part of what the culture was here you know
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I think
1: it's definitely changed. I mean, my mind is blown. There's a band from Durham that signed to Epitaph. Like, I think that's amazing. You know, like, who is that? uh, The Muslims.
0: They're from Durham? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Their practice space is like two blocks from MotorCam.
0: Oh, I had no idea. That's great.
1: Yeah. Like, so it's like, you know, like, if you asked me, fuck, if you asked me three years ago that a band from Durham would be on, like, there's
0: no fucking way. <laughs> well, let's talk about your band. The band that you're the most syn- synonymous with is probably Almost People. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, cause, it's because Johnny's so sexy. You put out a record. I think the last time the record came out was 2016 or 2017, but you've kind of done some singles intermittently since then. Yeah, so is we did. We not well, Is was, there kind of like a winding down? Like, where are you guys kind of in the flow of things? Like, are you still active or are you just. Uh, so, yeah, we're actually, we're, we're
1: actually playing our first show since. We played one. We played one show last year, but it, was like, it wasn't a real show. It was like an online show. I know we played. With, yeah. We also played with. Well, uh, too late now. Uh, but we played. We pl- it played with Change Bottle Rocket last year, um, right before COVID happened, and then you know, obviously everything else is going on in the world right now. Yeah. Um, or in their world. Um, but we played with them. Um, I think it was the last time we played like a real show. Then you know COVID happened, and so and so uh, you know naturally, it just made sense for us to keep writing music, but you know. Our drummer Kyle's—he um, was busy. Um, he had just gotten married the year before, and working at buying yeah. a house and all that stuff. So um,
0: as it, as it goes, as it goes, yeah, for sure.
1: Um, so yeah. the me and John were like, well, we still want to create. So last year we made two ska punk records under the name uh, Skapakos Meow, and then we did um, two um, kind of like East Coast hardcore, like Kid Dynamite, Lifetime, you know, Faster Souls type stuff mm-hmm. um, called uh, under the name uh, Halloween Year. So it's like, we've still been writing and we've been writing together, but just, you know, kind of trying different things, but just putting it under different names, like stuff that it wouldn't necessarily fit under the almost people name. But, uh, that being all said, we've been working on a record fucking, we've been working on a record since the last festival we played, which I guess would have been 2019. We did like two different rounds of pre-pro on it, got it really close to where we liked it. And then, um. By chance, um, I ended up uh, making friends with, uh uh John Anello, who's like a huge, he, produces, he produced all the Dinosaur Junior records. He fucking produced Time After Time by St. Lauper. Um, Play deep by the outfield. Like, this guy's done everything. And by chance, he lives in Raleigh, and we met at uh, Laura Stevenson's show before COVID hit. During the quarantine part of COVID, um, he was um, he was um, like, kind of mentoring me in, in my mixing and stuff with the studio, where it's like, you know, if I had questions, I can send him, like, a mix I was working on and get his advice, which has been, like one of the most phenomenal things in my life because you know most of us don't ever get access to people at that level you know like it's not like you're gonna an yeah, call and be like yeah steve like hey man i'm trying to mic up this drum set what would you do you know like
0: yeah that's a cool asset to have i mean and that's has that kind of opened up new avenues for how you well, approach it, it, your craft it, it completely yeah.
1: changed the way i mix records like i mean like i like i like i can not even see from like this the last session i did before I talked to him for the first time to even just a week later that just, there was a, a, like a thousand degree shift just in that. Like, cool. Oh shit. You know? And then like through those things, through the, like learning those things and keeping that in practice. Now it's like fucking Mikey, like Mikey flew down here to like do a record, you know, like, um, and it was like, it was his return to pop punk record, which I know he's got like three new ones since then. But like, like because of he saw what I was doing, like he's like, dude, we're, we've earned buds and I love what you're doing. Mix wise. And I was like, I'm going to get back into PowerPoint, but you're the person that needs to produce this for me. And he came yeah. down and we did five songs in five days. And it was incredible. You know, like I've been friends with Jesse's person for a while, but then, um, when I started, you know, getting better at everything I do, he's like, Hey, I want to come down and work on the new slow death record with you and Lydia Loveless. So um, he'd already tracked most of it, um, but he flew out and then um, him and Mikey both flew out. And then they were here for a week and we worked on the record. We added a ton more, vocal stuff and you know harmonies and more some more guitar stuff and like that's shit's awesome you know like
0: yeah for sure yeah that's that's a good i always tell people that lydia love story when you we, we were playing with brian mcgee yeah and uh we played it at, at local 506 in chapel hill i, I want to say that was we were our, it was the our first cold war tour so that was the 2018 Divided Heaven, North America. Yeah, I think
1: I actually it? and I actually think that was my last Secret Awards uh show because that's right when my my old studio was starting to like really pick up at the time.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I remember you came up to me and you're like, yeah, I'm sorry, man, the show wasn't very good, but Lydia Lovelace was here and I was like, <laughs> who? And he you pointed to her and I was like, She just bought a record. <laughs> really? That's I was like, I never knew what she looked like. And then I proceeded to go up to her and and fanboy out. And now uh I don't know if we're friends, but like I bug her enough to be like, yo, like super fan here. Do you want to play on one of my songs? She's like, sure. So, so it all worked out in the end. Like,
1: there's like, at a given like 90 of the time a band comes, they're like, hey, can we get Lydia on this song? And then like, I think it's actually funny because like, I like, I've been like, in the past like year, I've been getting like for Johnny too. It's like, yo, is Johnny around? Like, we need this like vocal part. I need perfect for. It. So like, Johnny's probably sang on like 30 or 40 songs in the past like year.
0: <laughs> well, hey man, it was great to have you on the podcast. I know that I reached out to you last summer yeah, awesome. to do this and I completely forgot. So that's on me. That's but, awesome. uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a fuck of a year, but I, I it's great to see you. At and, least and you breaking, news. And...
1: breaking news, uh, Me and Johnny are both in Wolves and Wolves and Wolves and Wolves now too.
0: Oh, hell yeah. Wolves and Wolves and Wolves and Wolves. Both of you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's some shit. Uh, I've, been, I've right.
1: been producing the record and then, um, their blast rhythm session had a some problems, some issues, and uh, they're no longer with them. They're difficult to deal with, and they are (laughs) huge.
0: I cannot wait to see that motherfucker again, hopefully sooner than later. Thank you to Scotty for coming on the Berman Hour podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks to our sponsors at New Wave Flow State Coffee. Newwave.co slash Berman saves you and me, truth be told. 10%, so let's get it, and I'll see y'all next week, excellent, let's get it, bye.